You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Today on the Illini Enquirer podcast, let's get you ready for the Big Ten football opener for Illinois football. 1-0 coming off a week zero win over Wyoming. The Illini, for the first time since 2013, are heading east to Bloomington, Indiana for a Big Ten Friday night, 7 p.m. Central Time kickoff against the Indiana Hoosiers. Indiana coming off a very disappointing season. The previous two years, Indiana had been fantastic. Looked like one of the rising teams in the Big Ten, going 14-7 and overall and 11-5 and in the Big Ten uh, from 2019 to 2020, including trips to the Gator Bowl, the Outback Bowl. They entered last season as a top 25 team, and then the bottom dropped out. Indiana goes 2-10 and overall, 0-9 in the Big Ten, and they are again picked to finish last in the Big Ten East. So a big opportunity for Illinois that knows a little bit about itself after a Week 0 game to maybe get a win over a team that it should at this point, but it is a road game. Illinois is the underdog going into this one because Indiana is expected to be better than it was last year. Kind of have to be at this point, but this podcast, we get you ready for everything you need to know. Dustin DePirac from the Bloomington Herald Times and Indianapolis Star covers Indiana, and he gives us as in-depth of a breakdown as you can think of for the Hoosiers. And then I bring in Joey Wagner to give us the Illini side of things, and we talk about everything about this matchup, what we learned from week one, everything you need to know before Friday's 7 p.m. kickoff. So enjoy it, sit back, relax, and enjoy the insight from both Joey Wagner and Dustin DePirac. Let's get to know more about these Indiana Hoosiers from Dustin DePirac next on the Online Enquirer podcast. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit get 30, bit get 20, 20, 20, bit get 20, 20, bit get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Happy to talk Indiana with this guy. Haven't talked to Indiana football against Illinois in a while. Dustin DePirac, uh, he's a long time covered Indiana athletics. He is the beat writer for the Bloomington Herald Times and the Indianapolis Star. It's been almost nine years since Illinois football has gone over to Indiana. What's happened since then, Dustin? <laughs> I mean, I was only there for part of it, but a lot. I mean, a lot has happened just... Uh, a lot of rise and fall just in the recent years, um, obviously going from, uh, you know, eight and five in 2019 and, and, and going to the Gator Bowl and almost winning it, um, you know, 2020 in the crazy pandemic year going six and one in the league before they lost in the Outback Bowl. Uh, and then last year, just, you know, just falling off the face of the earth and going two and ten. So, um, it, you know, a, a lot. And yet it's still um, you look back and say this. I don't know what expected from this Indiana team. You can't look at it and say, well, this is definitely going to be a top um, five team in the league. Really, a whole bunch of outcomes seem possible uh, for this group as far as uh, high and low end because you're just trying to figure out, okay, what is this Indiana program? Is it closer to uh, what it was in 2019 and 2020, or, or is it really just what it was last year? And we're only going to begin to find that out tomorrow night or Friday night. I think anybody rational would say, hey, that, that was the worst case scenario last year, right? And, sure. and that they're probably a better program than that, given uh, what Tom Allen's done, even his first couple of years, right? Getting five wins isn't isn't something to, to laugh at at Indiana. It's kind of like Illinois. It's a, it's a tough job. So what did happen last year, Dustin? Like, how, how, did, <laughs> how did it go so bad? So, so much. I mean, I think 
Um, you, you know, injuries were obviously a, the the big obvious point to it that you can look at it in a circle and say, okay, well, you know, you lose uh, Michael Penix against Penn State. He never seemed right in the first place, right. uh, just coming off the ACL to the previous year. Um, he seemed physically okay, but just didn't seem sharp at any point and then he injures his shoulder and he's out uh and then jack tuttle plays a couple games and he wasn't playing particularly well but he throws a touchdown pass against ohio state and he's out so then you're throwing in donovan mccullough who's a really you know terrific athlete but true freshman who hadn't been there in the spring because he wanted to stick around uh and play on a basketball team that went to the state finals um so you're digging deep by you know late october into your third string quarterback who again is a true freshman with zero experience um and you saw injuries on the other side i mean basically you ended up uh once they got past their starting running back they were dealing with walk-ons there um you know they they had some wide receivers dinged up um but you know more i think a bigger issue was defense especially in the secondary really saw a lot of guys get hurt taiwan mullen was a preseason all-american was all-american in 2020 uh and i think he played three games uh before he was injured up indeed you know um Devon Matthews gets hurt, you know, first game of the season, and he was out for a little while. And they really ended up just digging into that depth back there um, and never just really got right, especially in the secondary, which was really supposed to be a strength of theirs, a yeah. uh, place where they'd been really, really good the year before. They had three guys who were all Big Ten. Um, the But there was more. Um, you know, I, I think there was just the the they did not handle expectations well. Um, I think one thing that was really good about the 2020 team um, – I know I think Mitchell Page, a, a former wide receiver, pointed this out to Zach Osterman in a story he wrote that year. Uh, he said, you know, you know, basically when I was at IU, you know, it really bothered us who was in the stands. He said, these guys don't care. Like they'll they'll play you in the parking lot. Like that's their deal. Like they and, and that's how they were able to to uh, really just continue to get jacked up in 2020 when there was nobody in the yeah. stands. Um, and this group seemed to, you know, in 2021, they seemed to just um, get too into the idea that they were preseason top 25. They were supposed to do things Indiana teams had never done before. And there were guys who were thinking about the NFL uh, and, you know, and, and guys who would come back just for the purpose of building their NFL resume. And, and when things started to go sideways, they started to think about that, you know, instead of thinking about, you know, trying to get things right or trying to just win a couple games or, or just trying to find some uh, level of success. It was like, okay, well, I'm just going to keep myself from getting hurt. Um, I think they, the guys, and the guys called themselves out for that, each other out for that. Uh, the some of the returners, but um, you know, even some guys that left who said, you know, yeah, they they literally went into Tom Allen's office and says said basically we just didn't feel like there was enough accountability. You know, we, we're not sure what you saw and what you didn't see, but this is what we saw. You know, we saw guys um, checking out basically and um so I, I think there was just a lot that snowballed i mean again they they go down 14 nothing in the first minute and a half two minutes against iowa and it was like okay all of a sudden everything was already kind of crashing down and i, I think they, they just really never recovered so uh a, a lot went on that was uncontrollable that was injury but some some also was uh, guys failing to meet the standard. Uh, uh, what What is a very high standard that they had set? I mean, this was really one of the feel-good programs yeah. uh, in college football going into last year. And But it, it just seemed like when things went south, uh, there were a lot of guys that did not answer the bell. Yeah. Well, Tom Allen makes some changes right right after that. Uh, we'll, we'll get into Walt Bell and and Tom Allen kind of taking back over the defense, which he's been pretty good at. Uh, but let's address the quarterback in this opener. Hmm. Um, they, yeah. They've had a quarterback competition. Illinois did. Here at Illinois, it's pretty clear Tommy DeVito was always going to be the starting quarterback. On paper, hmm. I would think Connor Bazelak, given his history hmm. at, at Missouri, given that Jack Tuttle, when he's played, hasn't had great numbers. Um, right. But it seems like most people are on there. At least some people I talked to, they don't know, um, even though Tom Allen and the rest of the team know. So what's your read on the quarterback situation? Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's tough. Uh, it's tougher than I expected it to be. And and, and I think that th there is a lot of logic. I mean, I think if you're looking at it from from outside, if, if, if you're, you know, like a fan of any other program, and you're like, okay, well, who do you think is going to play quarterback at Indiana? Well, one guy's thrown for 5,000 yards in his career. The other guy's thrown for 800. So I, I think would be the guy that threw for 5,000. That right. seems like an obvious uh, move to make. But, I mean, um, you know, Tuttle has done some things that I think matter to Tom Allen that, that have kept him in this position. I don't know that he won it. I mean, because it, it is done. 
Um, you know, uh, at least I, I believe Tom Allen when he says that it's done, um, that he made the decision last week after the second scrimmage and and after giving those guys basically, you know, uh, pretty equal snaps over the course of two full scrimmages, felt like he had enough data to make the decision and wanted to have two full weeks uh, of practice in which everybody knew who the guy was. So I, I believe him when he says the decision has been made and they've just done a good job of not leaking it. You know, uh, they haven't told us and nobody mm-hmm. else has leaked it. Um, so I, you know, my, there, there's my, my, I still would lean that, that if you ask me, okay, Dustin, if you had to, if you had to lay money down on it, who do you think is going to be the quarterback on Friday? I would still see base, say Baselak, but the fact that I'm not sure yeah. um, tells you the Tuttle's done some things well. And, and among them really is leadership. Um, I think, you know, I, as, as I mentioned, you know, basically a lot of the guys determined after last season that, man, it just can't happen again. This is all, all the issues that we have, you know, they had a meeting, the next morning after they got housed 44 seven by Purdue, basically already on the bus, they were talking about like, okay, we got to talk with coach Allen. So this is like Micah McFadden, Cam Jones, Jalen Williams, um, and some other veteran defensive guys. But Tuttle was a guy who, um, decided, you know, basically like the first week of spring semester, you know, when they got back on campus in January to develop a PowerPoint presentation, basically telling the rest of the guys, this is what the expectation is going to be. Like, this is what we're going to demand from you in terms of your presence. You need to be locked into this team and we're not going to accept, you know, B-list effort on practice or anything like that. And, and this is what's going to be expected from you. You know, outside of practice, he called Cam Jones up and said, I, I want you to deliver this with me. Um, and, you know, that that was, I think, something that mattered to uh, to Tom Allen. And he said there was three things, the three main criteria. One was going to be just knowing the offense, putting the offense together. Obviously, it's both kind of on even footing with a new coordinator with Walt Bell. Um, but then said, you know, I want a guy who's not going to turn the ball over. And but I also want somebody who's going to command the respect of his teammates. I want I want the guy that these guys look at and say he's going to make plays for us. He's going to move the ball for us. He's going to conduct this offense the way that's, that it should be conducted. Um, so I, I think Tuttle did a lot of things in that regard. On the flip side, I think Bazelak probably at the end of the day um, has I don't want to say the physical tools because like Tuttle's got an arm. I mean, you you forget like Tuttle was a four star recruit, elite eleven guy out of high school in California, went to Utah first. Um, he's got a lot of the you know the the raw stuff but like Bazelak one thing Alan really pointed out and then once when you when he says it and then you see it you're like I get it now he says he throws a really catchable ball which like it's one of the things that's like hard to quantify mm-hmm. but like their completion percentage it's like 66 Bazelak to 55 Tuttle in their their careers in their playing careers and Bazelak does th- like like he kind of reminds you of like like you know the bigger kid on your block that you made go play all-time quarterback when you and your friends wanted to play on the street yeah he reminds you of that kid mm-hmm. you know like the way he, the, he he like gets he makes sure you can catch the football he makes sure that and, and that's important it's just like getting the ball in the hands of playmakers and getting them going um he's got that kind of look to him because he's a bigger dude he's like 6'3 225 you know just a touch huskier uh than Tuttle is Tuttle made a point to lose some weight um but just seems to you know put it on the money where it's supposed to be to give you a chance to catch it and run with it um you know it's not like you're, you're not watching him doing crazy things with his arm like wow how can anybody throw it that that far but just seems to put it where it's supposed to be to make it easy for the guy to catch and run um and I think that matters so for that reason, I lean Basilak just because I kind of seen a, 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 you know we don't get to see a lot. They didn't let you know let us watch a whole lot of eleven on eleven, um, but that's the thing that stands out that makes me lean Basilak. But I I am not sure because Tuttle has done enough to keep him in, himself in this discussion and not have it be a runaway deal. Yeah, just for Illinois fans, you know both those guys former four star prospects, so so talent doesn't seem to be the, uh, an issue there. Um, all right, so Walt Bell comes in. He's got Big Ten experience in Maryland. Um, you know it's interesting because. Ryan Walters, the D.C. at Illinois, knows Basilak from, from Missouri. Andy Boo, the Illinois mm-hmm. linebackers coach, was the D.C. when Walt Bell was the O.C. at Indi- at uh, Maryland. Um, so both yeah. those guys know each other pretty well. Uh, but how does Walt Bell change this offense? What's it going to look like uh, when they unveil it? Yeah, I mean, I think a couple things that um, that, that you can derive that, that I can imagine will be an issue, and, and we've only seen so much of this so far. Or not an issue, but a, but a characteristic of a Walt Bell offense. I mean, he's uh, he's big on tempo um, because that's kind of how um, he he was sort of 
uh, coached up as a coach. Basically, his main mentor is Blake Anderson, who's the head coach at Utah State. Yep. Um, had been the head coach at Arkansas State when Walt Bell was there, and 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 Anderson was his position coach. Uh, was Bell's position coach when when Bell played as a uh, you know slot wide receiver at Middle Tennessee State. Um, so they like tempo and bell in particular likes to run the football and obviously they're a spread offense he's a guy that likes to go wide and fast uh, but does still like his guys uh you know to be able to push it to be able to, to run the ball a lot his arkansas state teams which probably his his best statistical performances and as an offensive coordinator was about 14 15 where i think they won the sun belt both years those teams ran the ball really really well and they had a quarterback that could really run it in freddie knight and was a really talented kid there um but they had just sort of multiple running backs they could get the ball and and, and push it that way um, but they're going to want to play fast and that's, you know, and that's going to be interesting to see if they can keep up tempo uh, and get, especially their linemen used to it, being able to get, get down, snap the ball fast when it's called for. Um, they're going to use a lot of wide receivers. You know, Bell says he wants to play eight or nine in a game. Um, and they've got a lot. Of, they feel really good about their their guys. Uh, it's a, one of those interesting things where you, when you see them in practice, you're like I can see it and you might get on, you know, in a game and say, ah, you know, those guys aren't nearly as impressive as you think. Um, but, you know, they have a lot of guys they like that they feel like they can trust. You know, Cam Camper, they really like a junior college kid. They're a huge fan of, of what they've seen from him. Really late-blooming kid who was barely recruited out of high school in Texas but went to JUCO and grew, like, six inches after college somewhere – or six, six inches after high school. Um, I don't know. His high school coach said he was 5'9 when he played, wow. uh, and he's 6'2", 6'3 now. Wow. Um, they like Donovan McCauley, who they moved to wide receiver. They, they like his talent a lot. They like the two slot guys that they have, uh, DJ Matthews, come back from an ACL tear, and, and Emery Simmons. But uh, And they, they, they really like some young guys as well. They really like Omar Cooper, who's going to be a true freshman. Malachi Hope Bennett, who's a true sophomore. They like what they've seen from J Javon Swinton. They like a lot of those guys. So they're going to play a lot of tempo. Um, and just, again, the, the running game hasn't been good for a while. I mean, even the 2020 team, um, they were good in picking up short yards with Stevie Scott, but, like, they didn't run that well collectively. Uh, and so Walt Bell really, really wants to fix that. I mean, he believes in having a team that they can run the ball even when you know they're going to run it. Um, so that's going to be the goal anyway um, is going to be the point, is just try to um, get the running game right, get um, – uh, you know, play more tempo. He wants wide receivers also to, to play with creativity. That's one thing that they've kind of uh, uh, made a, a point of saying is that he wants wide receivers to manage their grass. What that, what that means is um, just knowing how to improvise around. Yeah basically. Um, and, and that's kind of a thing that they've noticed that they've been more, had more freedom to improvise on routes to find where the opening actually is, um, as opposed to just running exactly where it's supposed to go. Um, you know, basically have some comp, you know, have quarterbacks and receivers be able to communicate and know, okay, there's going to be opening there. You know, right, you're supposed to run a slant, but maybe you turn that into a hook or whatever, or you shorten up the slant stop or something like that. Um, so that you find what's actually there instead of just running you into defenders. Um, so that I think is going to be interesting what that actually looks like. Um, you know, it's, it's never as drastic as how they talk about it. It sounds like it's just going to be a total free for all. And it's going to be like, you know, again, like street ball where you just, you know, right. the guy says hut and you just run wherever you have to, to get shake the guy, you know, that's, that's defending you. Uh, it's not gonna be like that, obviously. Um, but it's going to add another wrinkle to it. So those are, I think, kind of the key things in terms of what we've heard of, Walt, of, of what Walt Bell wants to do on offense. Um, and so, you know, he might change that to account for what he thinks Tom Allen wants because he, he really views it as I'm not the head coach, the, the head coach of the offense. I'm Tom Allen's offensive coordinator, so it's my job to do what he wants. But I think those are some things that I think Allen uh, wants this offense to do because he obviously wants some drastic changes to what they did last year. Yeah, you mentioned some of the playmakers there. I, I know they added a couple running back transfers, including Sean Shivers from uh, from uh, Auburn. Um, but I want to ask you about the trenches because that's mm. you know an area that, that Brett Bielma obviously prides himself on is, is the trenches. And Illinois took big steps on the defensive line and, and obviously had a good offensive line last year. So where's Indiana at with, with their, their guys in the offensive line and the defensive line? Um. Well, on offense, they're just they're they are not a lot different in terms of their guys, and and they didn't, uh, you know, to the dismay of many IU fans, they did not make a change there as far as coaching was concerned. Mm. Uh, you know, there there were many that were calling for that because they just did not feel like that perform group performed well, and frankly, it had less reason to underperform than a lot of other groups uh, because they were mostly healthy. Uh, you know, comparatively, um, you know, most of their I think one of their starters missed more than one game. I think that's it. So they you know 
they didn't perform particularly well considering that, that, that they had that benefit. Um, you know, they're they're talking as if they've improved, but it's a lot of the same guys. It's Luke Haggard at left tackle. Matthew Bedford, who's probably their most talented offensive lineman, has moved from guard out to tackle, so he'll be on the right side. Uh, the interior positions, um, I th- you know, they, they've not been necessarily declarative in terms of who's going to play, but I think it's going to be Zach Carpenter, the Michigan transfer at center, uh, Mike Kadick at left guard, and they've talked a lot about Khalil Benson, uh, so I think he's going to be the guy who's going to be at right guard, and that's the really the only real new name. Uh, they, they feel really good about him. He's a redshirt sophomore. Um, so they say they're better. They say they're improving. They say their technique is better. They, they say that um, you know they're holding each other accountable, all these kinds of things. Um, is that true? I won't know until I see it and I won't believe it until I see it necessarily. I mean, you're, you're that this, you know, it is the same group of guys and, you know, it's the one area where that they didn't, they didn't really extensively address through the transfer market. It might be the only position group outside of maybe tight end um, that, and obviously that's a smaller group. You're only putting one guy out there most of the time. Um, but I think at almost every other position group, they got somebody um, who was a, a division one FBS uh, and probably power five transfer. And, uh, you know, they've got a, the one transfer they've got on the offensive line is Division II guy named Parker Hanna from West Texas A&M, who they like, uh, but I think is a second-string guy, and I don't know if you'll see him make an impact on this year's team. So, um, you, you know, it, they're, they're not going to be a drastically different group, so they just have to way outperform what they were. They just have to hope that last year's experience makes a difference. A lot of guys are going to have had uh, game experience. Haggard, Bedford, all have. Carpenter got a little last year. You know, more at Michigan his previous year. Kata got a bunch, bunch last year. You know, Benson's going to be a new guy. You know, presuming he wins that job, and I think he did. Um, but you know, there's going to be a lot of experience, but it, it's not. You know, it's not a ton of good experience, and it needs to be. They, they need to be able to, to you know create some holes and even protect their quarterback because they didn't do either one of those things last year. Uh, on the flip side of that, on the defensive side, um, they they did address. They they went out and got a lot more length. Um, and got three really important transfers. I think J.H. Tevis uh, was a defensive end. The Cal um, and uh, Patrick Lucas and Ladarius Cox, uh, two transfers from Ole Miss, two really really big guys uh, from Ole Miss. They're going to add to that group, and they still have um, you know some guys coming back that that they really like. Demarcus Elliott, uh, Co. Nofogo Tataola, I think is his name. Simone guy. I, 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 am sure I butchered that. So, CEO, if you happen to come across this, I apologize. We'll go with it. Uh, so, but uh, all the same, um, you know, they've always, always felt good about those guys. Um, feel really good about what they've got out from James Head this year as a guy who didn't uh, get to play much last year um, and wasn't really healthy when he did, but the year before he was pretty productive. Um, so they are. They feel good about the depth they have at the, the three down spots, and they've also kind of turned you know the weak side defensive end, and they call it the bull. It's a little bit of an outside linebacker defensive end hybrid, you know, where that guy drops back as much as he pass rushes um, or close to it or whatever. That they, they want a guy in a stand up spot, and they feel really good about what they're getting there. They brought in a transfer, Miles Jackson, who they really like from UCLA. Um, that didn't have great numbers there, but they they really really like him, and but they also Lance Bryant. Alfred Lance Bryan, who's a returning, um, uh, returning starter there. Uh, they they feel great about how he developed. Basically, Jackson was on his heels just from the time he got in the door. And they said that's made Bryan a lot better. I mean, he trimmed up, got rid of some body fat, moving a lot faster, feels a lot better about what he's doing. So they feel like they've got two really good guys uh, at that edge bull position. Um, so all there, they, they think they are better. Now, it should be noted, I don't think any of those guys that I mentioned had a sack last year. Uh, I think all, all the defensive line sacks came from Ryder Anderson and Western Kramer, both of whom were guys who were one-year transfers coming in for their last year of eligibility last year. Um, I think Ryder Anderson was just cut by the Giants the other day, and Kramer, I think, is in the Canadian Football League now. But two guys they really, really liked, and they're gone, so they obviously have to replace that production. Um, but And that's not going to be enough. They need more than what they had um, from those guys. So, so they have to step up, you know, get – production on top of production, you know, but just more from those guys than they've had. So uh, they, you know, again, ultimately, I think they feel pretty good on the defensive line. Um, but, you know, uh, they, they haven't had proven production in Indiana for many of those guys. Yeah. So some, some guys are going to have to step up uh, and be playmakers more than they have been in recent seasons. Yeah, Indiana certainly hit the transfer portal. 13 guys, uh, I believe, and as you said, most of them mm-hmm. power five guys. Um, so the back seven, I know last year maybe is the outlier, but 
They got good players. You mentioned Devin Matthews, Jalen Williams, Taiwan Mullen, Cam Jones, returning linebacker, a captain. Uh, but mm-hmm. but I'm interested to your thoughts on, on Tom Allen kind of taking back control of the defense, right? Like, what do you think that yeah. means for for the Indiana defense? Uh, a couple big things, um, you know, and and it was it was interesting that I was able to drag this out of him when I asked um, at the end of November. Basically, you know, they they had they they really prided themselves on havoc. Uh, yeah. through 2020. And, they, and I think they were, um, and I just did this stat because I just wrote a story about it, but they were, I think, second in the country in interceptions in uh, 2020, despite the fact that they only played eight games, you know, and they were top 15 in sacks, you know, top 15 overall in, turn, in turnovers caused. And then last year they were in the bottom 30 in all of those. Um, basically they were a hundred or worse in, in all of those categories. So that's drastic. And obviously that tells you that, that there was a big difference in um, approach and, you know, Carlton Warren was a defensive coordinator, but he was running Allen's system. Um, you know, basically all like he didn't run anything that Allen didn't have in there. It's just what he, what he leaned toward. And, and I kind of asked him about that, you know, what, how do you explain just the, the just total drop off? Um, and this was obviously before he left. So this was like last November. And he said, you know, like Indiana really played a lot of zone vision, um, almost all zone vision last year. And, and we did a lot more man concepts this year. And so I think um, Allen is going to run a lot more zone stuff. But, and, and I, but I think more to the point, um, like he's trying to get mentality in the guys to try to, to create more turnovers. But, but as far as he's concerned, it's being willing to get beat, give up some chunks here and there. Um, but keep everybody's eyes on the football and have the possibility of a big play every time, have the possibility of a tipped pass that somebody else can run and go get, uh, you know, because like the one thing he mentioned was, you know, like if you're in man and you're locked in, well, actually Brandon Shelby mentioned this, the cornerbacks coach, if you're locked in on your man, like, and the ball's tipped up in the air, you're not going to make a play on that. Right. You know, like you're just going to follow your man out for the rest of the route and that ball is going to fall on the ground, you know, and still it's a good play for the guy that knocked it down. But could be an interception it could be a gain it could be a situation where you either score yourself or set your um you know team up for um you know with a short field and he wants more of that um you know that's not to say they're never going to run man you know but you know especially you know i'm sure the corners will more frequently um but they'll have you know safeties you know spending more time in some zones linebacker more times in some zones to put themselves in a position with in the position where they've got the ability to, you know, make a play on the football, like watch what the quarterback's doing um, and react and adjust and go make, go break on the ball. And so I think that's what you're going to see more of. Now that might lead to giving up some things in other ways, you know, that might give up, you might be given up, you know, uh, the the kind of little little chunk plays five ten yard stuff that you do when you're when you're in a zone basically that where where if someone can figure out where the openings are they can you know kind of you know nickel and dime you to death but it's um, just believing in you know blitzing more from you know the husky spot or blitzing more with safeties or or just bringing rushes from different parts uh, you know of the defense um, and keeping guys on their heels uh, and keeping defenses on their heels and you know again you, it, it, he's willing to roll the dice he's willing to he's he, he wants to go back to that just, just more chance taking on defense um, and he's also just he, he says he's simplified it is another thing he, that, that basically they piled up a lot of checks last year in in the defense and feel it feels like maybe it slowed him down that basically was asking for uh, them to think too much, not that they're not going to get the answer eventually, but while they're thinking, while they're coming up and say, okay, when when he does this, I'm supposed to that, it slows them down. You know, like even if they eventually know what the right answer is, you know, like they're, it's slowing them down. They're not, not moving fast enough. and They're not just attacking. He wants them to be just, you know, violent, aggressive attack, just not have to think nearly as yeah. much uh, as they did a season ago. So I think those were going to be the, the big areas. Um, you know, he's done this, you know, he's taken the plays back, but he's not, he doesn't have the coordinator title. Like he actually gave it up, gave someone else the coordinator title and Chad Wilt. And when I tell you like Chad is a Tom Allen clone, it's freaky. Like it's, it's like, I mean, like he doesn't, you know, it's not as freaky as like Tom's son Thomas, who was just playing there. Like Thomas looks like Tom. Like yeah. like you like you're like oh my god. Like this he's going to look just like the dad, you know. But like Chad is like that same kind of like hyperactive, positive all the time. Like got all kind of 
you know, like sayings. He's literally like I did a big feature on him. He's got like all these post-it notes like over top of his laptop, like on you know, on on a shelf overhanging that are like, you know, just all, all these inspirational sayings written up. He's got yeah. quotes from he's got a quote from Nipsey Hustle, but he's got all this other stuff in there <laughs> that's very like, you know, I mean, it, but he's just into that stuff. Like and he is the truest of true believers. He is not faking. Like he is like you know, power of positivity and leadership and all this stuff. I mean, it is not, you know, it, it, it's not cynical at all. Like he really believes and that's Tom Allen. Like those, yeah. you know, like there are, I think a lot of guys who was like, if you just read Tom Allen's quotes, you'd be like, ah, okay. You know, he's one of these, you know, he's one of these guys, but like Tom, like the sincerity is very real in Tom Allen and it is in Chad Wilton. You're like, man, like I get like, they're going to get along wonderfully because yeah. they're basically the same guy. So, you know, like that, Wilt is going to organize the defense. He's going to run the meetings. He's going to do a lot of the film watching, stuff like that. You know, Allen is not going to add to his hours that much, um, which is a thing was the reason why he stopped being coordinator in the first place is that was taking away too much of his head coaching time. And he's made it so that Wilt can be the point man on a lot of things. But on game day, Allen's the guy who makes the call mm -hmm. um, on when it comes to plays. And that's just what he wanted back, just to get a little bit more power and control over it so it was going the way he wants it to go. You know, I imagine there will come a time when Wilt gets that when when that's bequeathed to him when um but alan i think just really feels like he needs to take control of this thing and get it right because you know in his mind his program is not going to be successful if his defense is not successful he was hired because he was a great defensive coach you know he got promoted out of that job and it's like if the defense isn't right then the whole program isn't going to be right that's how alan views it so it's like okay i got you know if you want something right do it yourself sort of thing and that's kind of where alan is right now all right, Dustin, last one I got for you, and great insight as always into Indiana. Um, this is obviously a huge game for both programs, right? I mean, these are two programs sure. that, you know, I know Indiana's had their uptick here, but two programs still looking to kind of find their stability uh, in, in the Big Ten and kind of rise up this rank and a winnable game for both of them, but early in sure. the season. Illinois has the advantage of getting maybe the rust out and, and having a game and evaluating itself, but Indiana also gets to evaluate Illinois while it's kept its stuff secret. What do you think of this matchup, and, and what does this game mean for the Hoosiers? I mean, it's, it's a very interesting matchup just because you know, I, it, it could literally go either way. And, you know, I mean, I think Illinois got some sort of proven strengths that I'm waiting to see if Indiana can – can match uh, and can deal with. I mean, you know, Chase Brown obviously was just terrific uh, on Saturday against Wyoming. He's coming off a thousand yard season. You're like, okay, like he could just flat run over them. You know, you're, it's, I mean, like uh, the, the way that he performed, you're like, okay, that, that is a guy that could really bust you up. And DeVito seems to really fit what they need. Uh, you know, it just was really smart about um, distributing the football, involving a lot of guys, you know, getting the ball to playmakers in space, you know, getting Brown involved in the passing game. Um, and so, you know, I, I think you saw a lot of good news for Illinois on Saturday. And, um, you know, like, I, I don't think I even realized until I saw the numbers and then I kind of looked back and said, okay, well, actually this does check out how good Illinois' pass defense is. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're coming off a, a year where they were, you know, first in the league in, in that category, I think, in, in at least in conference games, if I'm not mistaken, it was one of the better, um, you know, in just in, in, in the total conference and in pass defense. I think that's what it was. It was four passing touchdowns in conference play. Yeah. That's terrific. I think one over so, their last six games they played. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so so that's tough, man. I mean, and, and I know they lost a couple guys, but I think they still bring three starters back. I mean, so that's major. And and so Indiana has to prove with a new, you know, a new quarterback either way, even if it's Tuttle. You know, like he's started maybe three games, um, four games in his career, and you know, or Bazelak, whichever whoever gets that job. You know, it's a new quarterback. It's you know, two to three, three new wide receivers from who was playing at the end of the year. Um, you know, likely, you know, new running back, um, you know, new, new tight end. I mean, AJ Barner was kind of the heir apparent uh, to Peyton Hendershot last year. You know, you kind of knew he was going to be the guy, but still um, almost all of their skill position guys are new and they're going to be facing one of the best pass defenses uh, in the conference and, you know, in, in one of the better defensive conferences. So can they throw the ball on this team? You know, it's going to be an interesting question. Like, when, and they're going to need to be successful throwing the ball. If they're going to beat anybody. Uh, so Illinois is going to challenge them right out of the gate. Um, so, like, there, there's there's a high bar, um, you know, for for what they're going to be able to do, and 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 it's it's going to be really testing them. Are are they good enough, um, or or can they will they find themselves in a very similar position to one they were in last year? Um, so it's 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 big for Indiana for that reason. I mean, like again, they have the advantage of having seen this, but that doesn't make it you know it it it, it helps to know what you're up against.
But when you're up against is really, really good, it, it doesn't make it any worse. You know, like they, they, it, 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 the past team is going to be any, any easier to deal with. Um, now they've seen it on tape. So um, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's huge for them because they've really got to get started. I mean, you look at their schedule and just, you know, being in the Big Ten East, um, you know, it, it is brutal for Indiana. It's tough because, existence, man. Yeah, it's just you, there's nothing when, especially with Michigan State coming back. You know, like when when they had Michigan State down, that was somebody they could take advantage of. Yep. You know, I mean, Michigan State was bad for a minute. You know, like Michigan, like the team they beat in 2020 was bad. Um, but man, Mel Tucker got it going quick, and so you know, obviously lose Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker was a big, big deal, but they still got some dudes. I mean, Jaden Reed and wide receiver, and like just getting that defense right is a big deal. So you got to look at it if you're Indiana and say, well, there's four losses right out of the gate. Like eight and four is your absolute hundred percent ceiling. Then you got Cincinnati, you know, who obviously lost a bunch of their, you know, really Cincinnati lost generational players. Yeah. So you have to presume there's going to be a drop off there, but you know, how bad can they be, man? You know, I mean like their preseason top 25, there's still some dudes over there. Um, and so, you know, like that, you, you're probably going to lose that game. So you're seven and five, almost right out of the gate. So you got to find a way to get six wins out of this one, Western Kentucky, Idaho, Nebraska, uh, you know, Maryland, Rutgers, you know, Maryland's not going to be easy for them. Nebraska is not going to be easy for them. And Purdue sure as heck isn't going to be easy for them. You know, I mean, Purdue, like, you know, Purdue lost some big guys, but Purdue's got a chance. You know, Purdue's going to be a competitive team in the Big Ten West, I think. Um, and so, you know, you can't sit there and hope you get to five thinking that you can get Purdue in the bucket game at the end of the year. Like, you you, you can't. Like, if you're if you're thinking bowl, team, bowl season for this team, you absolutely have to win this game. And, you know, you, you want to have some kind of proof that, everything you did in the off season, not like you all always need this, you know, in, in the opening game, but like that you, you got to see progress. You, yep. you got to believe that, okay, like all of your adjustments mentally, psychologically, every way that you, you approach the season different made a dent, you know, made an impact. Um, and so like, if they, if they lose this game, they're going to have a hard time, you know, keeping that. I mean, you know, if they lose it bad, especially, you know, if, if they lose it close, that's one thing you can, you know, live and say, okay, well, this play happened and that play happened. We're not that far away. If they get beat up, you know, if they get bulldozed up front and Chase Brown runs for 200 or whatever, uh, they're going to have a hard time getting off the mat. So, you know, it's a big deal for them to – sorry. Uh, didn't sneeze. Had to. Thought I was going to. But uh, it, it's going to be an important deal for them to just show that they're a better football team. Just show that they're competitive. Um, and but winning it is a big deal. I mean, yeah, they're they're behind the whoever loses this game, but it's behind the eight ball. Yeah. Either way. Yeah. You join for Illinois if you start two and zero. They haven't won back to back games under Brett Bielma, right? And, and just to get a third of the way. Uh, through uh, to a bowl game uh, would be huge for this team. So excited to see it. Excited to see Memorial Stadium in Bloomington for the first time in, in a while here, Dustin. But uh, great insight, man. It's different than the last time you saw it. It's walked in now. Yeah, I, I know. Like, both sides are closed up now. So Yeah, I can't wait to know. see it. Uh, Dustin, appreciate the insight as always, man. I'll see you on Friday night. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Looking, looking forward to see you out here, man. All right, let's bring in Joey Wagner and uh, – Look ahead to the Illinois side of things for this huge Big Ten opener. And Joey, Joey let's just start there. Like, Illinois takes advantage of it. We talked about it in our last podcast together. They route a group of five team that I don't think is very good, had a lot of questions, had a lot of newcomers. But now you go into what is a must-win game. Like, maybe it won't be at the end of the year. Maybe they lose this one and could still make a bowl game. But this game feels so important for, for momentum, for – the program for the season. Am I putting too much on a Friday night game uh, in in week one of the real season? Uh, no, I don't think you're putting too much. Like mu when you said must win, I was like, all right, Jeremy, let's dial it back a little bit yeah. here. Like, but like they can it lose is a, and still accomplish things, yeah. right? But it just feels like, man, you win this one, it sets up for a pretty interesting September. Oh yeah, I mean it's a hugely important game for all the reasons you mentioned. Like if you look at the schedule. And I don't feel like we know a ton more about Illinois than we did last week at this time. So if you look at the schedule, you would say, okay, if they're getting there, if they're going to bowl in Brett's second season, you got to win against Indiana. You've got to probably beat – like, these are the games, and it'll be a similar discussion next week. Like, these are the games you've got to do. And I think momentum is is a big deal too. Like, that 
probably it's a bigger deal than saying like in the grand scheme of the schedule because we saw last year like these things can get flipped on their head but trying to get home 2-0 give your chance because let's be honest dude if you get home 2-0 give yourself a chance for 3-0 you're basically giving yourself a chance for 4-0 right yes. because you have Chattanooga and you're going to be projected to win that game regardless of what happens the next two weeks so like in the big picture there's a lot on the table yeah, I've seen a, a team go from six and zero to six and six, so nothing's ever guaranteed, Joey. But like, it's just if you can start three and one, it just it sets up things really well for the rest of the season. If you start four and zero, all of a sudden, Joey, you're selling recruits. You're something's happening. I, I think you know all those fans who were ticked off, understandably, about the long lines. They'll wait in a long line to watch a, a five and zero team go up against or 4-0 team go up against Wisconsin right like they'll be excited for that or a 4-1 team to go up against Iowa um it's just it changes the feeling around the program like you are building on something well like last year Nebraska felt like something and then you followed up with a home loss to UTSA and got crushed at Virginia and then you had to get two ranked wins to kind of feel like okay there's progress here even though we saw some on the field it just wins matter momentum matters and I think Illinois is a program that needs this kind of thing to say, hey, look what's going on in Champaign or recruits. Um, look what Brett Bielma was doing and turn around the program. And you mentioned this to me, and I, I didn't even think about it. Like, this would be the first time they'd win back-to-back games under Brett Bielma. Yeah, think about that. I... <laughs> that, that most gifable <laughs> face of Joey Wagner, just gift again. Oh, <laughs> uh, dang it. Someone's going to get me, aren't they? Uh, I, I mean, it's it, – it doesn't seem right because it didn't feel like that last year, right? right? It felt like if you were to just like blindly look back, like, oh, yeah, they certainly did. Well, I thought one of their better chances outside of the early part was when you beat Penn State and like that Rutgers egg ah! is, is so like profoundly in the middle of everything. Uh, but yeah, man, get, just, mo- dude, it's momentum. That's what like this, what this program needs more than anything right now is some sort of moment. Like, yeah. and, and look, I promise you, if they win on Friday, the Illinois football account, probably Brett Bielma, they're all going to tweet out 2-0 and before everybody else is 1-0. I promise you. But guess what? It's a calling card. And you can say that. And you can tell recruits when you call them on Saturday after their game that, hey, look, you know, we're, we're kind of building on this a little bit. Like, momentum has evaded this program for too long. Like, this is such a chance. It's not the only chance, but it is an important chance to build on that. And the schedule set this up, right? The fact that you didn't have to play Penn State here. You got Indiana instead when they reworked everything. You got to take advantage of this opportunity. And and that's what good programs usually do. And we'll see if Illinois can build on it. I do think, Joey, week one worked – or the week zero, uh, game one worked out to their advantage. Uh, We talked about it on the pod. Did they stay vanilla? Did they hold things back? And you asked the coaches this week about it. Yeah, they did. Like It's clear the way that game went. They didn't plan on it. But the way that game went to where Wyoming was very vanilla, because I think they had so many newcomers, they were able. Barry Lunny didn't have to unload the playbook. Uh, Ryan Walter said, I didn't have to unload the clip. <laughs> like, And we saw that. It was very vanilla. wasn't very creative. And what do we know about Ryan Walters? He's very creative, uh, very aggressive. Oh, and I didn't have to do those things, and, and they won a football game. So that's why I felt like I didn't learn a ton about Illinois because I didn't see Barry Lunny and what his offense, I believe, it will be. I didn't even see, really, Ryan Walters' creativity on display. And despite Indiana being able to see that, I think the value of playing a game, getting a game under your belt with all these new pieces is an ad- advantage going into a game against Indiana where, sure, they, they have a new offense coordinator. You know, Tom Allen's taking control back of his defense – but they have a lot of new pieces that have to get worked in. And if Illinois feels a little bit more comfortable early in this game, I think it could be really important. Yeah, and like I asked Ryan about kind of the game playing a little bit vanilla, and he said, I should have probably called him out on it. He said, you know, it works both ways. Sometimes you want to show a lot to make them prepare for a lot. And I thought, "Mm, I don't know if this is a case for that. Like I think the least you can show them uh, the better and cross that bridge down the road a little bit but dude this is a big game for indiana too like they yeah. remade their coordinator i know you had dustin on it uh, you know before this and they remade their coaching staff a little bit they've added new pieces this is a chance for them to kind of come out and say hey it, and i think you and i agree like two and ten last season is not what tom allen coach teams look like like that 
that is such an outlier, I think, for what his Indiana programs are going to look like. But then you get like think back to what Illinois looked like last week. There were moments where you're like, oh, that has got to get worked on. You know, there are interior offensive line things like that's got to get worked on. Ryan Walters took the blame for the outside linebackers biting a little hard on some of those options. Let's be honest, you probably got to work on that. Like, I think that was Ryan being the leader and just yes, taking the bullet agreed. there for his guys. Um, that that stuff isn't taught. So, I, yeah, I think, but that's the great part of having a game like that. Right, right? And, and the point being, yeah. like, if you can get Indiana to trip into a couple penalties that wipe touchdowns away, like you did last week where you tripped into a couple of those, dude, that can be the difference in, in these games. Like, that's what I think the important part is. I think if you look at the Illinois side, they didn't show enough where you would have all – there is some downside, obviously, to having Indiana has tape. But I don't think it's got like all of that it could have been had you opened up against, say, Nebraska again. And you probably did have to to steal a turn from Ryan, unload the clip a little bit. Yeah, and maybe get your kicker out there, miss a few field goals. Okay, the the world will still turn after this, and, and maybe this week uh, he can bounce back a little bit. Uh, just a few injury updates, only two of them, but one big one. Josh McCray will be out this week, and he will be out through the bye week, uh, which is Chattanooga right after that, right? I mean, you see including that. Um, but, yeah, so don't expect him for the next three games. It doesn't sound like a season-ending injury, Brett Bielma said, uh, but it does sound like something that could keep him out for – even longer than that bye week. Just the feeling I got, Brett basically was saying, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Joey, but it felt like he was saying he could come back this year, but it depends on how his body responds. That's how. That's what I took from it. Yeah, that's what I took. And then the, the first kind of milestone in the, that pro- progression would be the first bye week. So I think yeah. that was kind of, hey, don't ask me for a couple weeks, yes. guys. <laughs> Reach out to me before we go to Madison. Right. So, I, I mean, the impact of that, I mean, Reggie Love, I liked what I saw. And not even that, I think I told you after his first run, I said, ooh, that was a little burst there. And Chase Hayden had 40 yards in that game. When you go back and look at the stat sheet, he got involved in the pass game, just an experienced guy. And we got to remember, Chase Hayden and Reggie Love were both high-ranked prospects. And that's where we talk about, hey, running backs, the kind of depth you want everywhere. Uh, and that's why I think it's so important that Aiden Loffrey is coming back this week. Uh, he should be available in part of the game plan. It's just they're all different than Josh McCray, right? They're not 6'1", 240 pounds, Joey. Yeah, and I meant to actually ask you this, but I know after rewatching the game, did it feel to you when Chase Hayden came in? Like, obviously, I think Brett Bielema probably had a clue, like, okay, we might be without Josh for – like, in that moment, I'm sure he had a clue. Did it feel like they kind of force-fed Chase Hayden a little bit when he came in? He got a lot of handoffs. They targeted him a lot in the past. It almost felt like, hey – all right, you're probably gonna you're gonna be a guy we're gonna look to. Like to me, it felt a little force fed for a series. The game was in hand; you could probably afford to do it. Yeah, I was a little surprised he was the first guy because I think Reggie loves. Sounds like he's had a good training camp, but they trust Chase, right? I think he's just a he's kind of in the Dre Brown situation where he's almost forgotten, and then all of a sudden, hey, if he's healthy, uh, he can really help you. So he could be an important piece of this team. And I think getting him some reps, getting him a little success was important. I think Reggie Love, uh, who's been bothered by injuries for most of the last calendar year, uh, I think he can be really good. I think he's got a burst. I think he can make people miss. uh, And he's got some size to him as well. Uh, But I know people want to just replace Josh McCray and just put Jordan Anderson in there. Brett Bielmo was saying earlier this week that the freshman, even though I think he's going to make an impact at some point, Joey, just doesn't sound like he's ready yet. Yeah, probably not. Now, on the other side of that, like I'm expecting to see I don't, a lot doesn't feel like the right word, but like, I think we're going to see Aiden Moffrey. Like I there, he's got the speed. That's just doesn't really like, I just think that there's going to be a, a, a good couple plays for him to give him a chance and see what he can do. Like this feels yeah. like a, a pretty big opportunity for him. Yeah. The other injury update is uh Sean Miller, the freshman who expected to, to be a part of this. Um, had an injury. I didn't even see it uh, during the game, so I'm not sure what the injury is, but it does sound like it could hold him out. It's definitely going to hold him out this week. Could hold him out longer than that, so whenever we have an update on that. But the good news is I think you loved what you saw out of Casey Washington, Pat Bryant, uh, and Brian Hightower last week. I think those guys were really good. Hank Beatty can rotate in there. Um, he had a nice catch late in that game. Miles Scott had a catch in that game. Uh, so that, that, that was nice uh, from that first week. All right, Joe, as we look back uh, on the last week, I was trying to think about what I was most encouraged by because even though, you know, after the game, I was like, hey, there's some good things here. 
Um, but I just don't know how much we learned about the team. As I watched the film, obviously running the football like you did, Chase Brown's really good. I think we knew that. Tommy DeVito not forcing things I thought was great to see um, because that's going to be important this week. Indiana thrives off turnovers when they're good. They thrive off turnovers, kind of like Lovey Smith. They love to create havoc. Um, but for me, I think it was just how good that secondary was. I know it was Wyoming, but the fact that Quan Martin, Devin Witherspoon, Sidney Brown, I think Taz Nicholson will be tested more this week. Terrell Jennings will be tested more this week. Uh, Kendall Smith will be tested more this week. But going up against a team that likes to spread it out, this is a good tackling group. It's a well-coached defensive back group. Um, that's probably what I'm most encouraged about was Ryan Walters, all of that carrying over in the offseason. That includes the front. I thought Calvin Avery had his best game as an Illini. I thought the fact that maybe you can count on that defense to be a, a top 50, top half Big Ten defense that was so encouraging uh, because we thought that was true, but to see that again, I think you're thinking, oh, this is why Ryan Walters keeps showing up on all these coaching lists. Yeah, I thought the secondary was really impressive. I also think that, like, last week was not nearly the test that Indiana is going to give. Indiana is going to try to throw this thing throw this thing around. So you'll probably test depth on that too, right? Like, you're probably going to see more Kendall Smith in there with because Quan Martin is probably going to be needed in this. Like, there's going to be different – things that are going to have to stand out yeah this can, I, week. Can, I, can i just build yeah, on that because yeah. Quan martin was playing free safety most of last week because they only had four they had three linebackers in there a, a lot of times so um they had their true three four set with four defensive backs so Quan is clearly the free safety in those sets but they're gonna have to run a lot of nickel right they're gonna have to maybe run some dime packages in this game because indiana runs a lot or walt bell from what i've seen at umass and maryland a lot of four wide receiver sets um, definitely a lot of three. So that nickel package is going to be in there most of the game. Yeah, and I, I'm curious to see how – again, I, I don't say curious where it's like, oh, God, can they do it? Because, yeah. like, we've seen them play well in that regard, but it's just another kind of element there. I think the defensive front – I know the pass rush, like, that didn't really happen. And I think you, you want to see more out of that. I think it was required to see more out of that against Wyoming. But Calvin Avery, man, was really <laughs> – like he was really, really impressive against a team he should have been impressive against. But like to see him do that, and and I thought Brett Bielma's response on Monday was interesting. It was like basically let's see it again, be consistent. Like there's no resting on one game for Calvin Avery, and I thought that was a telling response. I also want to say offensively, I was if you're encouraged by anything, it's the wide receivers. Yeah, like, dude, for all the whole off season we sat here like, oh my. Do, do they have enough? Like now, Brian Hightower kind of coming back into his own, probably reinforced that, added some depth there. But like, if you would have told me, Jeremy, six weeks ago, like, hey, Sean Miller, we don't know what that's going to look like this season, I would have been like, oh, well, who, who, who is, who is going to step up? So I just, who, who, who? <laughs> what? What? Uh, no, I, I think it's great. I mean, we had Pat Bryan as a breakout candidate, right? Because he kind of needed to. I feel really freaking good about yeah, that. Yeah, because he kind of needed to. And I, you know, I kind of talked all offseason like, what about Brian Hightower? Like, can we talk about, like, can we say he's going to be part of this rotation? Because it never made sense to me why he wasn't involved last year. And then we find out the injuries did take a toll on him and he just wasn't 100% correct all year. But it's just like we saw that talent two years ago and to see that again the other day. My question is, can they get behind somebody? But I will say, Wyoming made sure of that with the way they covered. They were cover three and quarters coverage all day. They didn't want anything to go over the top. So I thought it was great that Tommy DeVito was just like, okay, we'll nickel and dime you. And then I'll take my one shot in this cover two that I read perfectly well and hit Pat Bryan and it looked good. But we're going to hit these outs. We're going to hit these hitches. And it worked. They moved the chains. And Hightower caught those. Casey Washington had some great contested catches. Pat Bryant did as well. Uh, And they didn't even get Isaiah Williams really going because of those injuries. So uh, I, I am more encouraged about that wide receiver group after after what we saw. But now it's like, all right, now, now take the next step. Uh, my concern uh, from the first game, probably the biggest one, was the interior of the offensive line and the miscommunications, but I think that's going to correct itself. Like I, I feel like the more reps you get, more Zy Chrysler, Alex Pilchner will feel comfortable I thought Isaiah Adams was really good. Um, I thought Julian Pearl 
looked like a future NFL prospect. I thought Paucho looked healthier than he did all of last year. So I'm not concerned about their long term. But in a game against an Indiana team that's going to have more talented pieces, they had a lot of transfers. I'm interested to see how that goes. And I just think your linebackers have to play better, Joey. Um, you know, I think they'll they'll get more creative, they'll get more aggressive with their blitz packages and all of that. But they just didn't make a big impact. And we saw the Seth Coleman Ezekiel Holmes things. I, I would imagine those get cleared up of not you know forgetting about the quarterback run uh, and staying home. But even the guys behind them, with as well as Calvin played and as well as Keith played, I thought in that game, you just didn't see a lot of Calvin Hart. You know, Isaac Darkangelo didn't have a lot of great snaps, and PFF graded him that as well. Like, those are the guys I think need to take a step forward. And the great part is you have a week uh, to correct those. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. See, you want to see a little bit more out of the linebackers, both inside and outside. I think I you, you still probably feel fine about Calvin Hart, about Tariq yeah, Barnes, yeah. because like there's a body work there. There's, I still think I, you know you want to see Isaac Darkangelo do it in a game. A little bit more Brett Bielema we just got off a zoom with him quite a fan of him he remains quite a fan of him and special teams wise like I think that's a big deal uh but yeah you do want to see more of that I'm with you on the offensive line I I'm very curious like how they use Jordan Slaughter yeah moving forward like I thought that was really important for him and and Barry Lonnie said as much today to get in there after that ankle injury he stabilized it. Brett Bielma said it after the game. You and I watched it. It's like, man, he was – they scored a touchdown on that drive that he was in. And, like, he's he's not going away. Brett Bielma say, said he could play tackle to tackle. Probably a guy. on that. Yeah. yeah let's tight on that. If a tackle gets uh, hurt, I would be shocked if Isaiah Adams is not the guy that, that moves out there because he's – he can move, man. He's, he's he's an interesting talent. I think that has a, a chance at the next level. But to have a Jordan Slaughter. Right. It hasn't been many years where they've had that guy. Like last year, it ended up being Jack Bedovinak was so important to stabilizing what was an otherwise re- a pretty good offensive line, right? That could be Jordan Slaughter this year. That if Chrysler struggles or, or say, Pilstrom struggles, like maybe you got a guy you can bring in and play there. Yeah. I think sometimes you and I, like you get caught up with, no, not in the five. Don't think about like he's a guy to continue to think about. I, another point of encouragement, I guess. I don't even care about the production. They did something and kick and punt other than wave to everybody who was still waiting in line to get their water at Memorial <laughs> Stadium for a fair catch. That was so different than we yeah. saw last year. Peyton Vining obviously at the big return to open it up, but like that was that was notable yeah. to me, Jeremy. I mean, during the game, I was thinking, man, there's not many vertical shots right yes in the yes. offense i thought that but as you watch the game it was working what they were doing was working there's no reason to force things just to entertain entertain us like make us a bicycle clown like we didn't need that like illinois didn't have to do that so i understand some of the questions this week but indiana is not going to play quarters defense indiana is going to get aggressive and they're going to run some man and that's when i'm going to be interested joey to see okay, is this an issue? Can these wide receivers get separation, right? Can they force the ball down the field vertically? And and can they get the tight ends involved in the middle of the field and the seam packages? And then can Pat Bryant get separation or, or go up and, and win a contested ball? I think this week will let us know if that's an issue with this team or not. I do think talent-wise they need somebody who can stretch the field other than maybe Isaiah Williams. But I think this week will be a much better barometer of that than last week when they just didn't have to do it. Why are you yelling at me? I'm not yelling at you. No, you, you didn't. I, maybe I'm yelling at. I, I don't know. Make me a bicycle clown, <laughs> yes. and then oh, Vince Vaughn comes back. Yes, man, yes. that's Mitch. Cut that out. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I agree. I, I think you're going to have to see them stretch it out a little bit more. But dude, Indiana's going to play. Like you've said it, Indiana's going to play aggressively. Like that is not what we saw from Wyoming at all. So it, it's just. It's different. Like, there's not other than like game reps. How much can you really carry over stylistically from what you had to do? I I say had to do, but like what you did to leave with the win, which you kind of just got to. Hey, this is how you're going to play. So we've got the talent to take advantage of it, and and we'll see you see you out of here. And the fun part is stylistically, these these two teams couldn't be more different when it comes to yeah. Wyoming and Indiana. Wyoming's this running team at the Group of Five level didn't show much. Um, they're pretty vanilla um, offensively and defensively. 
but they want to run the football like Maryland does in a completely different way. Like Wyoming was more Illinois like in that they run multiple tight ends and they're, and they're just kind of power run. Uh, and then Indiana's spread it out. Walt Bell loves to run. He doesn't really have a running quarterback, which I'm really interested to see how that goes because he usually has a running quarterback. But they're going to throw it and they're going to spread you out horizontally and all of that. And then defensively, I, again, yeah, you're right. I just think they get they get really um, really aggressive. So going into this matchup, I think the best thing for Illinois, the biggest advantage other than just having a game under their belts, Joey, is I think they have the advantage in the trenches. Um, Indiana did add a bunch of transfers to their defensive front. I think that takes time to kind of gel together, um, and, and those guys didn't have a lot of success. They have nobody on their team, Joey, that returned from last year that had more than one sack. So, like, the defensive line is a huge question mark for them. Illinois' offensive line, I think, is at least solid, right, in, in the Big Ten. And I thought the, the Indiana offensive line, they didn't add any transfers. They were bad last year. They do have a lot of experience, but they weren't very good last year. And I think Illinois, at least their starters, are pretty good. Like Johnny Newton, Keith Randolph, and, and Calvin Avery are pretty good. And if Seth Coleman and Ezekiel Holmes can, can be better, uh, I think Illinois has got the advantage in the trenches. Yeah, I also – I don't expect Tommy DeVito to get out of there clean again. Um, yeah. I, it's probably just – that's not going to happen. If so, he really does need to get those guys, I mean, minimally <laughs> – like a cheeseburger or something. I don't <laughs> some of NIL don't, money, man. But yeah, it's. I mean, I think we're going to say that moving forward, as Brett Bielema being the head coach, like Illinois has an advantage in the trenches. I probably as as we look at how recruiting's gone, it's probably fair to say right now, offensively, that advantage. You still want to see them maybe get some more of those defensive line guys in the trenches. Like that's just kind of what what he does, and you they're going to power you. They're going to have that advantage um uh, you know the other part of it, we, we talked about pressure that's not all i mean a lot of it's on the outside linebackers right, right. To, to get after the quarterback but johnny newton kind of talked after the game when we asked him about third down he's like i thought maybe they pass a little bit and you know you could tell he was kind of ready to like i would like to go get the quarterback please <laughs> and he can do it so like i think that'll be an interesting yeah. factor as well yeah, I think the thing we got to put in the context of not having many disruptions or pressures or sacks is Wyoming threw the ball 20 times. How many of those were dropbacks? Like a lot of them rolling out, rolling out, like just not, just not many opportunities uh, to do that. So sometimes we get caught in the stats uh, a little bit too much. I was more concerned about containing the quarterback than rushing the quarterback after that game. Uh, the one thing I think Illinois has to do well, and the one thing I think you feel good about given last year, Given what we saw last week, you have to tackle well against a spread offense. They're going to spread you out, and you're going to have to tackle in space. Devin Witherspoon's a fantastic tackler. We know Sidney Brown can be. Sometimes he can miss tackles, though, and get, get over aggressive. Quan Martin. And my word, PFF does not let him forget it if he does. <laughs> Goodness gracious. They hate uh, Sidney Brown and his missed tackles. Uh, but Quan Martin is a, he's a really, really good tackler. So if, if the other cornerback spot, the linebackers, like they're going to have to – to flow the linebackers are going to be really key uh in this one so that'll be interesting to watch but that's concerning if you don't tackle well you know an offense like this can really make you pay speaking of the other cornerback spot i'm fascinated i wish i would have thought before this exact moment to follow brett bielema said they took taz nicholson out at halftime because of a soft tissue deal we don't know if that was like a, a kind of a lingering thing and they didn't want to overdo it or if that was something but like if you the, the terrell jennings excitement is also something that's there like that that's just an interesting spot to me still after week one is what that looks like tyler strain breaking on that ball man like that was going back and watching that i feel like that was speed uh that that kid can run like that's one thing we knew he was a little undersized but he can run so uh maybe he gets in dime packages or maybe he gets some reps at corner at some point uh that could be real important other concern i think it's gonna be a close game joey so special teams Right, yeah, two muff punts didn't lose them. I know Cody Case and Isaiah Williams will be back, but um, then Caleb Griffin missing a couple field goals, fifty-one yarder, whatever. Uh, but when, when you get inside the forty-five, you got to be able to count on uh, your kicker making most of those. Um, so in a close game, I think it's going to be really important. Yeah, the concern, uh, and, and I, I don't know how much concern long term to have with Caleb Griffin. That was you would have liked to see him convert that one inside fifty, but if he doesn't, like if if it's just can't find it. 
uh, it's tough stuff behind him, man. Like yeah. you, if you're Illinois, you really need him to find it and and kind of be that consistent force there because uh, David Alano doesn't arrive for about four months here. There's a reason they had a competition. There's a reason uh, they're adding Alano as a scholarship guy next year, even though Caleb could come back. Like they, they think they got to get better there. So uh, those are some lingering concerns. I've never been to a game cover a football game in Bloomington, Joey. Um, this is going to be interesting. It's a uh, it's a place that's I, not a scary place, but they've been having a better attendance in Illinois recently. Despite last year, they've had some good years under Tom Allen. Um, so it's not the road environment of Minnesota. It's not the road environment of, of Penn State, certainly. Uh, but it's important for Illinois to go get a road win here. Yeah, this, and it's an opener. Like there's, dude, excitement exists, man. Like there's there's going to be excitement. You know, hey, they got a new coaching staff, the whole lot, a new assistant coach and coordinator. Yeah. Hey, that that's going to get some excitement. Uh, I'm personally thrilled, Jeremy, that it's an eight o'clock Eastern time kickoff. So you and I, after the game, will have none of the opportunity to enjoy Bloomington's finest <laughs> establishments. That, that's that's a blast. I'll get a six pack to take back to the hotel room for post game pod. But yeah, man, like that's it's a different environment. It's, and I don't I don't care about the day earlier like that. I don't. I, I think Brett Bielma's plan for that long enough to not think that's a huge issue yeah because it's what 16 hours earlier than than a normal kickoff like yeah it's it's some time but uh these guys are professionals they'll get it like the nfl it's like a four-day turnaround for some teams when you go from sunday to thursday i think they'll be uh all right well joey wagner appreciate it man uh maybe we will on friday night slash saturday morning from bloomington indiana maybe we'll have uh some beers while we're doing the post-game podcast and do the youtube live and have the six people who are still awake Why after not? that or or Maybe maybe we'll get like the YouTube live after like dark. The, after dark, and it won't be us who have had a few drinks. It'll be people coming in. God forbid they're upset. That'll be a lot. Should we have with. an open Zoom? Like have everybody come in? Oh, good lord! <laughs> oh my god! Give Let's their do it. give their opinions on <laughs> Illinois football. All I'd right. love to hear it. All right, everybody, have a, a great day. Uh, have safe travels if you're going over to Bloomington, Indiana, and enjoy the game. We'll talk to you afterwards right here on the Online Enquirer podcast. So give us a follow, rating, review wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on YouTube. Smash the like button. Subscribe to us as well. We appreciate all your support. Everybody take care of each other. Have a great day. We'll talk to you next time on the Online Enquirer podcast. Mm-hmm.